Oh, the humanity of our team. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, I just want to follow up on that water baptism announcement, the service that we are doing next Sunday night in our worship and prayer night. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have never been water baptized as an adult, it is your next scriptural step for you to go public with your faith. And so we would love to partner with you in that. If you haven't signed up, it's not too late. You can sign up today after service and we will uh, get you through to baptize you next Sunday at 6 p.m. Um, and again, I, I always like to say this to remind some people, you know, if you've grown up in a, in a background where maybe your parents baptized you as a child, thank God for the faith of your parents. This is not something that would be undoing something that your parents did, but this would simply be you going public saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. And really that is what water baptism is about, this public proclamation of our faith in Christ. You can sign up after service if you haven't done so. And I have a pastoral announcement. Does everybody love my pastoral announcements? Now, if you're, if you're brand new to the city church, this isn't for you. If you don't have any kids at the city church, this isn't for you, so just hang tight for a second. I just wanna talk to the parents who put their kids in city kids. Aren't you thankful for city kids? Amen. Now, here's the pastoral part. Sometimes people come to church late and they can't get their kids and city kids for a couple different reasons, either that the class is full or the ratio has been met. There are some ratios that we have to follow the rules of our province, uh, ratios of leaders and kids in the room. So parents, if you just happen to come late on a Sunday and your child is not able to get into city kids, there is no acceptable circumstance under which you would raise your voice, smiling, to one of our team members or the city team. You, you shouldn't be upset at someone else because you were late. I'm still, I'm still smiling. Now, I have no idea who this is. I've just heard, I've heard the scuttlebutt. I've heard the report. So I'm not afraid to deal with this, all right? And, and, and for you as a parent to then berate one of our team members in front of your children, this is bad parenting skills, all right? What you should say is, kids, I'm so sorry that I was late. Next Sunday, we'll be on time and you'll be able to get into City Kids. It is certainly not the leader's fault. It is my fault, kids. I'll do better next week as your parents. And <laughs> I will say this, if you're struggling with the rules and city kids, I will take responsibility for it, all right? Come talk to me. But let me preempt the conversation. <laughs> just, so you just come early, I guarantee, a 95% guarantee, if you show up 15 minutes before service time, 95% guarantee your kids are getting into city kids. I've just solved your problem, all right? <laughs> Everybody still love me? All right. <laughs> I have a long tradition from my father of pastoral announcements. Now, my pastoral announcements are way nicer than my dad's. I just want to tell you. Some people were left crying back in the day, but you know, fun church memories of my dad pastoring. <laughs> Anybody remember back in the day with my dad? I know some people. They made it through. All right. We are continuing our series.
full of faith. And we have been talking about faith all fall, and we will continue to do so all the way up to December. And what we are looking at and understanding and want to explore is this idea of faith. It's the Bible tells us to live by faith, walk by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so there's all of these stories in the Old and New Testament about people living by faith. And this is what we're discovering and talking about so that we wouldn't be nominal Christians, just Christians in name only. We would actually have the power of God showing up in our lives. And then God's ways and thoughts would be guiding and governing our choices. So we want to have a true faith in God. Faith, simply defined, is a firm persuasion, a conviction based on what you have heard. And ultimately, it means trust. It's a relational word that I have put my trust in God for every part of my life, for my today, for my eternity, and I am truly relying on him. Acts chapter 6, verse 8 says this, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So we see Stephen, who was full of faith, had the power of God manifest, showing up in his life in ministry. And then he had this tremendous wisdom that people couldn't resist. And this is what it looks like for us to be full of faith, that we have God's power in our lives showing up. And then we have God's ways and his thoughts, and we have the mind of Christ for our lives so that we can speak and act in wisdom. So, so far in this series, we've talked about a faithful God, faith that transforms, the spirit of faith, faith obeys, examine your faith, faith loves, faith is generous. And then last week, we talked about faith walks with God. So all of those messages are available on our YouTube page and also through our podcast for you to catch up with us. All right, so today, um, as we continue the series, we're almost done. The title of today's message is Faith Produces Hope or Faith Hopes. And we see this big idea again from our chapter that we have gone to uh, many, many times here. Hebrews chapter 11 is gonna read this so we can get an idea of where we're going today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. So again, verse 2 tells us, how are we commended by God? By our faith, by us putting our trust in him for today, for our eternity, relying on him. We are commended by God when we live by faith. This is how he wants us to live. Let's go back here, very famous verse. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, that our faith is, now this word assurance here means ground or confidence, that my faith is the ground or confidence in my life for the things that I'm expecting in my future, that faith produces in me some sort of outlook for my future. It's the ground, it's the confidence. In other words, it's the thing that I'm standing on as I look towards my future. What is it? It's it's my faith. I'm standing on my faith in God, not just faith, faith in God, whom I trust, who is all powerful. I'm standing on that. And then from that place, I'm looking at my future. It's the assurance of things hoped for. 
Now, when we say the word hope, you know, sometimes we would define it in contemporary terms as some sort of just empty wish. Well, it's like, well, I hope this happens, not, not necessarily a confidence in that statement. Well, I did, well, I hope so. But biblical hope is not that. This word defined in the scripture is a confident expectation. And a confident expectation for the future based on God and his power and his goodness and his willingness in our lives. Hope provides for us the motivation for Christian living. Hope, what I'm thinking about the future. Now, we would say this phrase sometimes, well, you know, it's hopeless. Now, what would it mean when we say the phrase hopeless? Well, as an example, coming up, um, as I mentioned a little while ago, our oldest daughter got engaged not too long ago. And so we are in full wedding planning mode. And when I tell you full, I mean full. It's like every day we're like a phone is being turned to me and showing me a dress or a bouquet or food or... Now, none of which, let me just tell you, no one is asking me my opinion and it's fine. <laughs> really, it's fine. I'm just looking at a lot of screens. Look at this, dad, look at this dress. Look at this. I, get, what, what, I don't know, how much does it cost? Don't worry about that, dad. <clears throat> God will provide. Oh, all of a sudden. (laughs) Now, it's a good thing, though. It's a good thing that Nicole and Avery are planning this wedding because if the planning of this wedding and the beautification of this wedding were to bend on me, it would be hopeless, friends. This is not my gift area. I don't know how to function in Pinterest. I don't want to know about Pinterest pages. Not interested in any way. So if, the, if we were depending, if we were to look in the future, be like, this wedding is going to be beautiful. No one is going to depend on me because if they were depending on me, it would be hopeless. For any Raptors fans out there, for us to continue to dream that we can build our team on Pascal Siakam and not Scotty Barnes, It's hopeless, friends. It's just hopeless. (laughs) Sorry for all you sports fans. Don't care. I apologize. Now, when we think about hope, hope in us produces some thought about the future. It is the basis for something. A situation, as I described, if it were to depend on me, the situation would be hopeless. But our faith in God, when we put our trust in God, there is no hopeless situation. We can always depend on him. This is the ground we are standing on. And and hopelessness is plaguing the world we are living in. People are fighting depression and anxiety at all-time high recorded levels. Why? Because they have just a hopeless outlook on the future. And when we think about life and as we think about our future, we're, we're going to be facing and we're going to be hearing different points of information. And when we look at our future as followers of Jesus, if we have this depressive outlook on our future, we are processing through the information incorrectly. What are we looking at? What are we deciding our attitude about our future, what are we basing it on? Are we, are we just looking at the news? Are we just hopeful that the news will tell us something good? They aren't. They're not going to report on the good stuff. So it's a hopeless thought that you're going to be able to watch the news and at the end of it, 
be joyful about the future. It's just not happening. We, we can't look at our politicians and think, whoa, I'm going to put all of my hope on this person who I voted for. And then somehow we're just going to have this amazing future. That the problem with putting our hope on any politician is they're just human beings. They're not going to be able to fix all of the stuff. So if we are basing our life on that, we are going to be hopeless. Faith is the ground or the confidence of things hoped for. So we're supposed to be basing our life. Our, our faith is supposed to be in God. See, I choose my outlook. And the question is, am I firmly basing it in God or am I distracted? Am I misdirected by all of the information in the world? And there's so much information for us to look at, right? And there's so many things for us to process through. And if we're going to just take in any old information and have some sort of positive thought about our future, we are hopelessly mistaken. But if we have our trust in God, we can have a good hope for the future. Because listen, how we experience the present is what we believe about the future. How we are experiencing today has a great deal to do with how I'm thinking about my future days. This week and this month and all of the things going on in my life. See, on our hope tells the story of where our faith is. What is produced in my life? What is my hope for the future? Because it should be in God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Apostle Paul writing to Philippian church says this. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I love this phrase. I am sure of this. This is an expectation. This is not, well, I just hope so. I'm sure of this, that he, talking about God, who began something in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is at work in our lives. He will do this. God is faithful. We can trust him. This is my outlook about what God has started in me at the moment of salvation. He's completing something in me. He's discipling me. He's forming me into the image of Christ. God is faithful. I can trust him. This is my outlook on life. This is what he does. This is how he operates. This is the ground and confidence that I'm standing on. See, scriptures have an intended purpose for us, for our faith to grow, and then therefore hope comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when our faith is growing, our hope is growing. Romans chapter 15, rather, verse 4 says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Endurance. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up today based on circumstances, because my ground of confidence is not in the circumstances. My ground of confidence is in God. So I'm going to endure. And then I'm going to be encouraged by the scriptures. And from the scriptures, I am going to have hope for the future. Romans 15 verse 13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. A hopeful person is different than a sad, anxious person. And we can choose 
Because again, what we're experiencing today has a lot to do with our outlook on the future. And do I truly have my trust in God for my future? Or am I just depending on ideas? I'm just depending on a politician. I'm just depending on secular responses to things in the world. Or have I truly got my trust in God? Because he wants us to abound in hope. Don't you want to abound in hope? Don't you want to abound in this joyful expectation for your future? See, we have the opportunity to never be without hope, always, regardless of the situation. And I would say this is unique to the Christian worldview, always and forever, to the most, uh, the difficult circumstances that we will face. For us, and for our loved ones. And, and there's, there's an assurity that we have, and you know, people always had this phrase, there's two things for certain in life, and it's death and taxes, right? Now, Christians, we have to pay our taxes just like everybody else, sorry, can't opt out. And then also, we are going to die. Welcome to church today. Are you excited that you came? <laughs> but our outlook on death that is our future, is assured. Everybody, everybody, every human that's ever lived has faced this. But our outlook on the future is different. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus. We sang about it today. That Jesus has conquered death. And so our outlook on all of our ultimate futures can still be a joyful expectation. Why? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so all of us have had loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord. And this is the most difficult thing that we will all face. But we can still have hope in the middle of this story. Because grace tells our eternal story so that at judgment day, I don't, I'm not going to stand before God and be, God, I was really good and I was amazing and I did all these things right. That's not going to be our plea on Judgment Day. Our plea on Judgment Day is I said yes to Jesus. I claim Jesus' righteousness, not my own. And so we have this assurance for our eternity, a hope-filled future regardless. My dad used to say this, living by faith in God, it's the only way to live and it's the only way to die. Let me just read you some scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11, again, verse 13, says this. These all died in faith. Not having received things promised, but having seen them and greeted them afar off. Having knowledge that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For, the, for a people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they were gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And that's us. Our future eternal home is in the presence of God in the new heavens and the new earth. Are you excited about that today? This is our future. The future of our loved ones in Christ. What is it? They are in God's eternal home. We have this joyful expectation. Living in faith is the only way to live and it's the only way to die. This heavenly home in God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 says this. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between two of my desires to depart, to be with Christ, for that is far better. Now, it's hard to, for us to imagine, because again, this is the only reality that we know. But when one of our loved ones, and when we step out into eternity, what is the scripture telling us? It's far better. Do we have a hope for the future? And this is what we say, again, at a Christian funeral, which is different than all the other funerals, is that we have this hope. What are, what's happening? This hope, we will see them again. Because we have this hope in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. We have this future hope. So the things that we're doing in God are worthwhile. And I have this hope, don't you have this hope that I will be able to see all of my grandparents again and all of my aunts and uncles that have passed away. That in Christ, we have this victory over death. Are you thankful for that this morning? We have this future hope. Okay, Pastor Brent, I have no plans to die. All right, right now. Okay, so let's switch topics because it's not everybody's favorite topic. We also can have hope while we live, so right now, not just for eternity, not just for when we step over to the other side and into God's presence, that we have hope while we live. First Peter chapter one, verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. While we are alive, we should have this joyful expectation. It should be our disposition. Why? Because what is the ground of confidence that we're standing on? It's, it's not the news telling us good stuff. It's not great things happening around the world. It's not politicians or politics. The ground and confidence that we stand on as followers of Jesus is our faith in God. So we have a living hope. While we breathe right now, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, he has conquered death to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Psalm 27, verse 13 says this, I believe that I shall look on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage Wait for the Lord. So where are, we, where are we going to see the goodness of God? In the land of the living. Are we expecting that? Do we expect to see the goodness of God tomorrow? Or are we like, well, you never can tell. We just don't know. Now listen, we're all going to face stuff. Tomorrow, the next day, the next month, we live in a broken world. We've talked about this many times. There is an enemy that we're facing out there. 
But regardless of the circumstances, that is not the ground that we stand on. What is the ground that we stand on? What is our assurance? It is our faith in God. Now, faith is the substance, the ground, the confidence of things hoped for. So I'm facing something today, but in the land of the the living, I am going to see the goodness of God. This is my expectation. Now, it sounds like optimism, but it's deeper than optimism. It's stronger than optimism. It's not just, well, I want it to be this way. It is faith in God, that I'm believing that God is providing for me the way of escape, the way out, the power, the grace, the necessary thing for this moment so I can have a joyful expectation. So when we face stuff, which we all will do, what should also happen? God's going to help me out of this. I have a joyful expectation. I have a confident expectation because the ground that I'm standing on is solid ground. What is it? It's faith in God. It's God in his faithfulness, God in his power, God in his wisdom. This is the ground on which I stand and it changes my outlook that I truly have faith in God. Hope sees with the eye of faith. Romans 8 verse 22 says this, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what it sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Everybody say that last word with me. Patience. Patience. We wait with patience. But we don't hope, the scripture says, for things we've already seen with our physical eyes. But what are we seeing? We're seeing something different. We are seeing that I have faith in God and his word and his promises and empower. So my outlook, how I'm thinking about the future is just different. It's not hopeless. It's not all over. I trust God. I'm trusting God. Yeah, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Yeah, I've got a thousand whatabouts too. But in the middle of those whatabouts, what are we doing? Standing on our faith in God. And from that place, that's the place of assurance. We trust him for the things that we don't see yet. For the promises we know that he has given to us. How do we wait? With patience. We're going to be patient and we're going to wait till we see the thing come to pass in our lives. Romans 10, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled, clean from an evil conscience, that our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's what we stand on. That's what we're standing on. What, what are we holding? We're holding fast to the words that we say. 
We say the words like we trust God because we trust God. And that's why for me, I'm just, I make it a prize. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get stuck. I don't get myself stuck saying, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't do that. I don't make it a practice. Why? Because that's me talking like I don't have faith in God. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but we, we got to retrain ourselves to what? That I'm standing on something else other than my own ability. Faith in me is useless. Faith in God is strong. It is the ground on which we stand. Changes how I talk. It changes how I think about the future. It changes how I'm experiencing the present because I have faith in God. And I move my whole life in this direction. Amen. Matthew, verse 12. Just got a few stories here this morning before we finish. And this story here is about a sick man. And in the middle of the sick man uh, finding himself in Jesus' presence. Now, what do we know is going to happen? What happens when sick people get in Jesus' presence? What happens? They get healed. We just believe this, right? Why do we believe this? Because we see it in the scripture. Every time a a sick person got in front of Jesus... They were healed. We, we have this expectation in the story. So here's one of these stories. And in the middle of this story, Jesus gives a little analogy to help us understand about the character and nature of God. Matthew 12, verse 9 says this. And he went on from there and entered the synagogue. And a man there who had a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? So that they might accuse him. They were trying to catch Jesus in his words. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Trying to catch him. Because they think it's unlawful to heal on the Sabbath day. And so he responded with a question. Because that, that question wasn't worth answering. So Jesus got a better thought. Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? And we don't have any sheep unless you're a farmer. If you're a farmer, we love you. It's awesome. It's great. But if you have like a dog or a cat and somehow you've got a hole in your backyard, I don't know why you haven't filled this hole in. Anyway, just go with the story, all right? (laughs) Your pet, your animal falls into a hole in the ground. What do you not do? Well, like, well, what day of the week is it? I'm not sure that I can do this good thing and retrieve my pet. Now, I might let the pet stay in there. Nicole for sure is coming to get it out. I'm just kidding. I love our dogs. Okay. It's asking this question, this philosophical question about the character and nature of God. And, and what does he say? Verse 12, how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched it out and he was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Pharisees missed the point again. But what's the point of the story? What should our hope be when we find ourselves in a proverbial pit? What, what should we do? Should we sit in the pit and cry? And be like, woe was me. 
my problems are worse than everybody else's problems. If, if everybody only knew how bad my problems were, if I just sit and I'd fill up this pit with my tears and it would become mud and then somebody will know for sure how bad I truly have it. Is that what we're supposed to be doing? The deeper part of the question is what is God doing in the story? What does God do? God does the good thing that God reaches out to us in the pit. In a situation that we don't want to be in. Let's act and talk like we have faith in God because we have faith in God. It changes our outlook. It changes our perspective. Because the ground that I'm standing on is God and his word and his power and his faithfulness. So when I find myself in a pit, I reach up. Because I know that God is reaching out to me because he does good things. This is who he is. We don't sit in the pit and look down. We reach up with our hand because our no, we know, we know our heavenly father is reaching out to us to pull us out of the pit. And then finally this. We have hope for the promise. The promise is while we live and the promise while we die. We can trust God with our today and for our eternity. Romans chapter four here talking about Abraham in verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Verse 18, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do as he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, but the words that was counted to him righteous were not for written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised the dead, Jesus, our Lord. This is for us. Abraham, a hundred years old, Sarah, 90. In hope, he believed in hope. When it was against hope, when there was no reason to expect So what what two things are they looking at? They're like, oh, the circumstances, the situation, the struggle is this. But in the midst of that struggle, what are we supposed to be looking at? The promise of God. God has given us his promise, his word. And that's the thing that we stand on. It's not hopeless when we stand on the word and the promise of God, this is written for us, that we trust him, we trust him. 
this is going on and this is gonna go on and the situation's gonna go on and the world's gonna this and the economy's gonna this. But I'm just gonna step out on the promises of God. God, I trust you. I trust you. We have this joyful expectation for the future because of how good you are and how strong your promises are and how faithful you are. Let's just pray today. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word today. God, we remind ourselves again today that our hope is in you. We choose to stand on your word. Our view of the future, our thoughts about the future, are good because we put our faith in you. We just thank you today. If we find ourselves in a pit, if we find ourselves in a struggle, that your desire is not for us to remain there, that you give us hope for the future, that you are reaching out your hand to us today and so we reach out back to you. We have this confident expectation in you, not in and of ourselves, not in and of our ability and our power. But we put our hope in you today. It's not hopeless, it's not all over. Even if we don't know what to do yet, Lord, you know. And you are revealing these things to us. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Aren't you thankful for the word of God today? Man, it will encourage it. It will encourage us if we allow it to. If we look at it and we think about who God is, we can truly be encouraged today. Hey, if you are here this morning and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, as we were talking about today, that our hope without God is hopeless. It is empty. But in God, in Christ, we can have this living hope and then hope for eternity with God. And so if you are here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is the invitation today that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. That Jesus came and he lived the sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And all of that happened so you could have a relationship with God, that you could have hope. Hope as you live and then hope for eternity with him. So I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a few seconds. I invite you to pray along with me to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe you're here this morning, you kind of feel like, well, you used to be close to God and you really feel distant from God this morning. No, God is not mad at you today. God is inviting you close to himself. Again, I invite you to pray along with me as well. So church, we're gonna bow our head and close our eyes and we're gonna pray this prayer. Praying with somebody who might be praying for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. So let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. And truly today, 
my hope is in you. I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those who made the decision for the first time today. Amazing, if that was you, if you made a decision to follow Christ or you made a decision to rededicate your life to Him this morning, we are so excited for you. Take a moment and fill the Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Check off, I have decided to follow Jesus. Turn that into our info desk right in our main lobby. We have a team that's gonna greet you and celebrate you. And as well, just they have a packet of information to help you on your new journey of faith uh, there that they wanna be able to give you. Amazing. Before we go, I just want to remind you of a couple of announcements that um, Leanne and Michael shared earlier in the service. Today is the last day to sign up for water baptism. Last week, I said last week was the last day, but I was wrong. Today truly is the last day to sign up for water baptism. I love what Pastor Brent said. If you decided to follow Jesus, this is your next step, just to go public, to declaring that you follow him. So if you have any questions at all, if you wanna sign up, there is a table in the lobby. All right, City Church, I'll invite you to stand up with me as we get ready to go here. If you came to church this morning hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, some of our team, they're coming down in the front of the stage right now. Feel free to come up to any one of them after I dismiss. They'd be more than happy to pray with you this morning. Amazing City Church. Thank you so much for being with us this weekend. We invite you to join us back next week at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We love you so much. Have a great week. Bye, City.